Good evening. Well, it's the first Wednesday of the month, and last week we had it on Sunday, so this week we'll be having communion together. And I am going to be reading from Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 46, after Peter has just shared the gospel, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, people are being baptized, um, the, the Holy Spirit's moving there in Jerusalem. And it's written here, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And this breaking of bread doesn't only mean taking a communion together or the love feast as it's called in Corinthians, but it's a time of fellowship. And as we were praying earlier, I know many of us are a little beat up or you're working hard or you're stressed a little bit or you got issues going on. There's so many things going on in the world, but we have this blessed opportunity to come together, to seek the Lord together, praying together, and then fellowshipping together. And we're able to do that as well by partaking of communion, where we celebrate and remember what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that's the greatest part of that refreshing that we can lean on, that no matter where you're at, no matter what state you're in, whether you've been backsliding or whether you've been growing, whether you've been working hard or enjoying your retirement, or maybe both, our rest is in Christ, because it's by His work and the work that He has completed on the cross. It is finished, he called and told us. So as the ushers and elders come forth, we'll, we'll all wait till we're served the bread together. And while they're passing that, we're just going to pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, your unmerited favor, that it is truly finished and completed. None of us this evening is going to come to you based on our own merit, our own works, or our ability, Lord but simply on the work that you have done for us and completed by faith alone. And we thank you. And so when we're all served this bread and we put it between our teeth and we gnash it, we're reminded that the Lord gave his body physically and spiritually to the Lord as a propitiation of our sins. That means he took our sins upon himself. And the Bible tells us that by his stripes we are healed. And so he did that work. He completed it. And he asks us to take communion together to remember that work and also to fellowship together in doing that. Let's pray one more time and then we'll partake together. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice and your work and we pray that we would remember it and thank you fully as we partake together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake. And as the ushers and elders come forth, we'll all pass out the cup together and we'll wait till we're all served this cup that is the fruit of the vine is a symbol of the Lord's blood that was shed for us his sacrifice as he gave his life all the way back in Leviticus it tells us that the life was in the blood and he gave that and spilt it for us when we think of the cross we have to remember that the Bible tells us that the punishment for our sins is death but he who knew no sin died for us. And so when the Lord took that punishment upon himself, he had to give up his ghost. He didn't die. He had to give up his spirit, and he gave it over to the Lord. And so he wasn't killed. He gave up his life for us as a ransom for many. 
And so once again, as we take this cup, we are to give thanks and remembrance for that sacrifice and that work that he gave on the cross, that when he cried out, it is finished, it is truly finished. And by faith alone in Christ alone, we are all saved from damnation because of his work. Let's pray and then we'll partake together. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and once again for the work that you have done on the cross. And as we take this fruit of the vine, Lord, and we remember the work that you did and the sacrifice you gave, we pray that you would give you thanks and remembrance in Jesus' name. Let's partake. We talk about grace and we talk about unmerited favor and we talk about salvation. But the importance of understanding that he has freely given us salvation on the moment that we accept him as Lord and he fills us with his spirit. That's the true rest that we have in him, that we are not earning righteousness, that we are not earning our salvation, that when we are serving him or speaking for him or we're worshiping him or we're sharing the gospel with others, there's no strings attached. There's no hook to it. It is a bonus, an extra. That work is truly complete. So again, wherever you came from this evening, whatever background, whatever your status is, whatever your relationship is with the Lord, through faith alone in Christ alone, you are 100% righteous in His eyes. He sees His Son's righteousness in you because of His grace. And that should leave us uh, with great rejoicing as we leave here this evening. So let's close in prayer and we're going to open to the book of Ruth together. Lord, we thank you again for your grace. We can't thank you enough. We can't praise you enough. We thank you that you made a way of salvation, one way. Teach us and direct us this evening. Help us to grow in your word. Help us to grow in communion together and rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in the book of Ruth. We're in chapter 2. Last week, we saw the destruction of a family. We saw Naomi lose her husband, lose her sons, lost a daughter-in-law because she was sent back to her family, but one stayed with her. That was Ruth. We saw them come back to Jerusalem from the land of Moab after 10 years. We saw them welcomed back, but they are still destitute. They still have nothing. There's no food. They don't have a job. They, they can't go down to social services. They can't get unemployment. Those things don't exist in the same way that we might understand them. They don't have husbands to go out and get work. So what is going to happen and how is the Lord going to treat them? And what does this mean to us? And then I just have one more disclaimer before we continue. I want to remind you that this is not a love story. This is not a romance story that's been slipped into the Bible so that we can have some Hallmark Channel movies. Not quite how this works. Now, there is an element of romance. There is an element of love here, and we're going to identify those things. But again, we don't want to read into the Scripture things historically that are not there. The number one reason for the book of Ruth is for the lineage of Jesus Christ through David and to show his reconciliation to the Gentiles as much as to the Jews through a Moabitess, and a, you know, showing and expounding on the grace of the Lord. Now, that being said, there's plenty of other stuff in there that we're going to glean from. And I totally meant that pun because we're going to talk about gleaning here in a minute. <laughs> Let's pray one more time. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace. And we pray that you would teach us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. 
There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So we see the introduction. He hasn't come on the scene in the last chapter. He comes in this chapter. He is the Goel, the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer. Because remember, the family is the most important entity in the nation of Israel because of the tribes. And that is married to the land. So the families of the tribes are going to the land and they have been divided as they went in from the promised land. We know this from going through the scriptures earlier, especially with uh, Joshua. I'm losing my mind. Sorry. Late. They're coming back into the promised land, the tribes and how they had to fight for those years and then they get everything set up. So. When a family leaves or they lose a loved one, everything in the legal code is to bring that family back. And so because Naomi has lost her husband, that family member's spot needs to be filled. If you remember earlier in the chapter one, she told her daughters-in-law, you can't wait until I have more kids and I can't have any more anyway, because those sons would be redeemers. They would redeem the family if she were young enough to do that. That is an actual thing. And we talked about it, how strange that is in our society. I mean, never in our society, at least in the cultures that I've been a part of in the United States, are you going to marry your husband's brother just to keep his last name? Like, that's just not a thing. But that is here. And it is a priority. In fact, if we look in the Old Testament, we will see oftentimes it is mandatory. And we're going to see that later. Again, no love. In these relationships, it's legalities, and, and it's all about keeping the family together. Now, the Bible tells us in Leviticus chapter 19 that you are not to farm the corners or harvest the corners of your farm. Of your, now, how much of the corner? That's left up to interpretation. See, that's why you have scribes and Pharisees around. Because the scribes and the Pharisees would be like, well, according to rabbinical tradition, you have to keep at least five foot from the corner. Because it doesn't say, like, how gracious are you? Nevertheless, that's what they do for social services at this time. They leave the corners of the field unharvested so that those that are poor can come and get the harvest. And you can glean... Gleaning is when you are harvesting and you're doing this by hand. There's no combines. There's no major mechanical equipment. They'll use a sickle, a knife, or another sharp implement, and they will be whacking away at the wheat, or in this case, the barley, and they'll be stacking the barley up. But as they're doing this, they're moving the, sh the stalks, and the heads are starting to fall off, and that's starting to fall in the dirt. Now, if you were in a poverty or you were destitute, it was written in Levitical law and in that time that they could come behind and pick the kernels out of the dirt. I mean, that is so hard. On your hands and knees, literally picking small kernels out of the dirt. Now, if you were Scrooge McDuck, you weren't going to leave all that money around. So you're going to cut your corner all the way to the end. You're going to get as short a corner as possible, and you're going to be yelling at your employees and your team members if they keep dropping too much. Be gentle. Be gentle. Remember, in this agrarian society, this harvest is it. The quarter's profit is all based on them getting that haul in. 
and everything's based on it. So you're, you're not going to be uh, just loose with it. I want to point out something else. This is in the book of the Judges. This is in that time period, that 400-year period where every man does what is right in his own eyes. You know, when people are slaughtering their daughters because they wanted to keep their word. You know, in that time frame when people were worshiping false idols, when they were making their own priests, when they had their own household gods and entities. Boaz doesn't have to do any of this stuff. Boaz is a follower of God in a time when other people are not. And what makes it also interesting is that Boaz, the Bible says here, is a very wealthy man, a man of great wealth. Now, linguistically, like in the King James Version, they'll say a man of valor, but it can be translated both ways. Now, we see he has his own farms, he has his own uh, servants, he has his own teams. We know that he is a follower of God and of God's word because he's allowing people to come to his field and to glean. And so all this is taking place, Naomi the Moabitess, Excuse me, Naomi and Ruth the Moabitess are here. They're going to go and glean in the field, and they're going to go and uh, pick that out, work all day, sun up to sundown, just to try and get some food. We know that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, but Ruth does not know that. That's where we're going into the next few verses. So now that we have the background a little bit, we can kind of see things taking place. Let's read verses 4 through 9. I didn't read verse 3, did I? All right, we're going to read 3 through 9. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, which was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not glean in any other field nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. There's a lot to go over here. And we're going to glean from these texts, which means we're going to pick at them a little bit. And we're going to get every little morsel out of it. Number one, back in verse three, is some of my most favorite words in all the Bible. The sarcasm is thick here from the Lord. Now, I'm reading into the text a little bit, but let's be a little bit creative, right? It says, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. You guys catch that? She just happened to accidentally come to the field where the kinsman redeemer is. Now, we know that God is in control of all these things. We know that he has orchestrated these steps. He's allowed these things to happen. And it really brings us back to Sunday morning. Remember when we were talking about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? Why did they go to Moab? Why did they lose those people? Why did they have those tragedies? I have no idea. But the Bible says that all things work together for, the, for those that love God. And they decided to go back to Jerusalem and trust in him. And Ruth made that declaration, not knowing any of the promises and the blessings that God was going to put out. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. 
And here they are back. And she just happens to stumble on the place where God exactly wants her to be. Now, I, I call that sarcasm because God has orchestrated her steps. This is where he wants her to be. And that's how it is in our lives. You know, some of the greatest blessings we have are happy accidents. That's why we talk about divine appointments that God puts in our place. Sometimes you just happen to end up in a conversation and it's not until real later that we realize, wow, God appointed that situation. Now, she's in that field and she's working. Boaz shows up and we learn more about him. Not only is he a kinsman redeemer, not only is he wealthy, he has a great relationship with his servants. I mean, he salutes them, they salute him back. Again, we don't want to read too much in the text, so I don't want to stretch this out too much. But we see that the Lord is in focus here because we see the Lord's word in Leviticus being kept. We see the salutation there. He could have false gods. He could worship many gods. But between his workers and him, they're talking about the Old Testament, Yahweh, the traditional singular God. And remember, in that culture, there's lots of idols. There's polytheism. People are worshiping multiple different gods in different ways. So this is, unfortunately for that time period, unique. Unique, you would say. Now, this is when we get into dangerous territory because Boaz is talking to them and he says to them, hey, who's that, who's that woman over there? This is when we are in danger of trying to turn the book of Ruth into a Hallmark channel. This could mean anything. Uh, that girl doesn't look like everybody else around here. Yeah, it's a Moabitess, but she's related to Naomi. Oh, I guess we'll let her stay here. I don't know. It could be, it could be, oh, wow, that is an incredibly good-looking lady that I would like to know. Who is she? I don't know. Again, we don't want to read into the text, but the fact of the matter is he notices her right away for whatever reason. And then what does he do? He begins to ask about her. Now, this is something where I do 100% agree with. Young ladies in this fellowship, I stayed away from this when we taught this on Sunday morning. It's Wednesday night now. We get to be a little bit more relaxed. We're in the living room together. You need to study how she acts because if you want to get a Boaz, this is the way that you need to behave. Straight up. And guys... If you want to have a lady in your life that you can build a family with, you need to be like Boaz. I don't care what TikTok says. I don't care what the internet says. I don't care what's online. That stuff is nonsense. Let's stick to millennia of experience here. Number one, Naomi works her tail off and she's known for it. From sunup to sundown, these guys immediately tell Boaz she has been working all the time and she took a little bit of rest in the house. That means she took a short lunch break. Can you work? Too many people today, men and women alike, don't have a work ethic at all. Like to even make their own bed, to even go out and get an interview, to get a driver's license. You need to be able to do things and to do them diligently. So that's for the boys and for the, the girls together. Notice how the reputation, the reputation follows. Yes, life's not fair. People talk about you. You're going to have a good reputation. You're going to have a bad reputation. I'm going to tell you another secret. Sometimes 
young boys and girls. You can have both. Some people are going to look at you negatively. Some people are going to look at you positively. I think I made up those words right now or didn't use them in their proper context. But that being said, you have to be diligent enough to go out and get it. Another issue. Ruth asks for nothing. She doesn't want special treatment. She doesn't say, you owe me this. You deserve this. I've worked so long. I should get extra. Do you know who I am? Don't you know you're a Boaz uh, kinsman redeemer? Oh, I'm only going to look for the richest guy I can find. None of that. She has no pretenses. She's just simply trying to get by and provide for her family. And so Boaz gets the report back. Naomi is a very hard worker. And after Boaz asks about her, so guys, ask questions. Do not believe everything that any beautiful girl says to you. You need to ask around. Is this legit? Is this not? Because some of them will tell you whatever you want to hear to get whatever they want. And that's just a life lesson. That's not just in relationships. So he's confirmed that. Now he actually talks to her. Now, what does Boaz provide? And what is the discussion here between Boaz and Ruth? Ladies, listen. Listen to what they're saying. Do they want things or do they want to provide things? The boys in your life, do they want things or are they trying to provide things? Boaz is talking to Ruth and he is a provider and a protector right off the bat. He says, I have place for you among the young women. I'm going to have a, a, a safe place for you. I have commanded the young men not to touch you. I will protect you. I will provide a place for you. If you are thirsty, I want you to take from my drink, from my provisions, from my servants. Come and get some. So we used to have traditions in this culture where men would open the door or put a seat out or take the chair. They would provide for the meal. They would pay. Why? That's just sexist. That's misogynist. No. It is a symbol. It is a token that I am going to provide and protect for your entire life. That when we make a family together, I am going to provide, I am going to protect, and I'm going to cherish you. It has, no, it has nothing to do with I am a better human being than you because I'm of a different sex. No. No idea. Now, listen, if you want to go Dutch on a, on a date, none of that matters. You can do whatever you want. If you both want to pay the bill, lady, you want to pay the bill to impress him that you are a hard worker, none of that really matters. But the principles are the same. See, Boaz provides and protects right away. And what does he get? Nothing. He gets nothing. Boys, go to work, get a job, and nobody owes you anything, anywhere. You're not owned, you're not, you don't own anyone, and you are owed nothing, and there's no help coming. You are going to provide on your own. That, that is the way life is. You can have people tell you all kinds of lies your whole life. It's nonsense. Your boss don't care. Your coworkers don't care. I'd tell you the husband down the street don't care. Nobody cares how difficult it is. If you want to have a family and a lady in your life, you have to go out and you have to do things. And you have to make it happen. 
Now, that's just life. That, this used to be basic knowledge. Now, church, you can, nod, you can nod your head. Oh, yeah, tell them, tell them. No, you tell them at the dinner table. You have to instruct this. The reason why our youth don't know this is because you don't talk to them anymore. You throw them in front of a television. You run them through the drive-thru, throw some french fries in the back, and you're like, here, kids, eat this, and drop them off while you can go doing whatever you want to do. The breakdown is in that communication. We have to pass this knowledge on, and that is not my job. I'm lecturing my son right now. Everybody else is a bonus. That's not, not my job as a pastor, and that's not the youth uh, leadership's job either. It's yours. Oh, well, I'm a grandpa. Oh, or I'm, I don't have my kids anymore. Oh, they'll grow up. That's fine. Find somebody else. Teach them. I don't have any kids. That's not a problem either. There's plenty of them around here that need parenting. Just get involved. Now, let's go back to the basics here. Ruth, she's working. She's expecting nothing. She's listening. She's looking. And she should be listening to Boaz, who is providing, protecting, and giving provision. He's walking with the Lord. He's a man of upright integrity. And he's asking questions. And he's looking at reputation. This is important. Now let's read verses 10 through 16. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may, not, that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So what is Naomi's... Uh, I, why did I write Naomi in my notes? Man, I must be really tired. What is Ruth's expectation here? Why have you been so good to me? Why are you taking care of me? Not, do you know how much makeup I put on for you? This is all you're going to get me? Let me work harder? That's, that's, how, that's our first date here? Work harder? That's what you want? Don't you know who I am? I have 10,000 followers on my Instagram. Not, nothing, nothing. She's just so ecstatic. Now, again, I'm getting into dangerous territory the more I am adapting this to our culture. But in this culture, this is a racist culture. This is a Moabitess woman in a Jewish city she's not even supposed to be there she shouldn't have been married to that family she should be getting nothing so if she's getting a whiff of that and she understands she's just incredibly gracious and again i don't want to read into the text but it could very well be that in that town she's getting spit on looked at she's being walked across the street from if she's walking down the road we don't know we don't but for whatever reason she is very very grateful 
and shows an incredible amount of gratitude. And Boaz is listening to this. He's watching this. And when he hears this, he definitely doesn't turn back. He's actually doubling down now. Ladies, especially teenagers and college students, I cannot tell you how flavorful it is when a young person has respect and gratitude because it is so rare. It is precious like diamonds in anything. And so if if you want to show something, I would show that. Just respect and gratitude. When she does this, this is when we begin to see sealed, signed, and deliver Boaz. He shows some romance here. Because they're eating together. And he's saying, like, hey, no, sit next to me. Let's see, I got the parched grain here. Come, come dip over here. And now they're eating together. They're having a meal together. Publicly. They're having a public meal together. There's tons of people around. They're asking questions. Now, you may have missed this note. What does Boaz say to her, to Ruth? Who told him this entire story? He knows that she's a part of Naomi's family. She know, he knows that they came from Moab. But she, he knows, because he's been asking questions, how good he has been treating Naomi. He knows that she has been protecting and providing Naomi. And so this is what has impro- impressed Boaz. Boaz is saying, wow, you know what really impresses me about you, Naomi? Is how you wear that dress and how great your makeup is. No. Character, 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 character. This is incredible. I can't, you know, I'm just astounded at the way you're taking care of your family and you've adopted our country and you've adopted our ways and I'm going to protect you. From now on, you stay with me. I'm going to take care of you. So then after mealtime, what does he do? He commands his young uh, men, verse 15, let her glean even among the sheaves. Let her come up close. Because I'm sure the other poor people that are there, they want to try and take the heads of grain right off the stock. They want to try and get as much as they can. And so they're probably like, no, 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 you stay back. You stay back while we're working here. As a business guy, I'm like, yeah, liability. They're going to have an accident. They're going to sue me because they're trying to glean next to my equipment. No, 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 you stay way back there behind the yellow line. But not Boaz. He says, you come all the way up close. And then what does he say here? And let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Now, I want to be a fly on the wall on this field. So, because I'm not, now I'm starting to write into between the lines here. So you just told, Boaz just told his boys, I want you to purposely leave some for her. Oh yeah, boys, boss has a crush on her. Now, these guys are like any other guy. Again, I'm writing in between the lines now. This is dangerous. Are they now trying to impress the boss by how much they're leaving extra? Like, are they going around like, hey, boss, watch this. It's a whole bucket full. Are they trying to be really slick? Are they just leaving a couple like now and then? Like, don't do that. That's too much. That's too much. No, a little bit more, a little bit more. I have no idea, but this has got to be fun. I mean, that's really, really hard work. And now they're actually dropping some. Now, if there's more people around too, are they like trying to leave it so that she can get it, but not the other guys? And are they starting to notice it, the other people? Like, how is this working? I got to know. I'm going to be asking some questions when I see these people. And what do we see? 
Ladies, they had lunch together, and she goes right back to work. She's gleaning in the field in verse 17. Let's read verses 17 through 23. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today, and where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be of the Lord, he who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out from out with this, his young women, and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young men of women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Let's talk to the kids one more time. Slow down. Slow down. You get something exciting, something exciting, someone, and then... It's your first time having that conversation and you just throw out all reason because it's so exciting and now you're having these conversations. This person is the one, he's the one, she's the one, this is it. And you, you throw everything in there. Just slow down. Now, those of us that have been around for a long time will tell you you have a lot more time than you think. So they have lunch together and all this extra stuff and this is incredible and now she's got all this extra. What does she do? Go back to work. Go back to work until evening and until the end of the barley harvest. So now days and weeks are going by. I don't know. Are they having lunch every day? I don't know. Maybe. Are they having more talks? Maybe. But take your time. And listen, your parents, your coworkers, your teachers, your mentors are not trying to hold you down when they say slow down. They're not the enemy when they tell you to take your time. Trust them. Trust them. Now, ladies, sun up to sundown, I guarantee you, young people here, I guarantee you, if you work sun up to sundown in whatever career path you do, I don't care if you're washing cars, doing dishes, working to fast food, I don't care what it is, welding, underwater basket weaving, if you work sun up to sundown with gratitude and respect, you are going to take over this country because your competition is terrible. Now, easier said than done, getting up every single day, going to work hard with gratitude and respect. I think that's for some of our older people in here too, to be honest. That being said, that's what Naomi does. Sun up to sundown, gleaning in a field. I don't care how easy they're making it for you. It's tough, and that's tough work. But she makes it back home. She has this giant bag of barley that she stayed extra to beat. So she's harvesting it and she's processing it on her own time after harvesting with the young men. Then she brings it home to Naomi and Naomi's like, where did you go? 
What did you do? Please tell me you got that by gleaning because that's not possible. And I don't want to know how you got it. And that's when she tells her. I went to Boaz's field, this guy named Boaz. I never heard of him before. And then what does Naomi say? God is looking kindly and faithfully on us. What did she want her name changed to? Mara, forsaken one, is what she wanted to be called. And God said, pipe down with that nonsense. Let me show you. And there they are. And I wonder, what was Naomi's expectation? Maybe a cup? Maybe enough for a meal for the two of them to get by through the weekend? Instead, she's getting this giant harvest. And that's not even as important now as the news that there's a kinsman redeemer that has taken interest in the family. And so what does she say? That God has blessed the living and the dead. What does that mean? That God is looking kindly, not just on them, these poor ladies, but on the family name and the legacy of those that had passed, on her husband. Her husband is dead. She's mourning her husband. And now not only is there a chance for her daughter-in-law to be taken care of, but for her husband's legacy to come back because his sons are dead. Sons that she raised. Let's not forget the heartache that Naomi has in our joy for Ruth. And here she is saying, thank you, God, for thinking kindly to us. And it just goes to show that we, we put expectations or we tell God how we think our plan should be. It's going to be hard. It's, it's not going to be easy and terrible things can happen. But we need to trust him that all things work together for the good for those that love him. It may not be the way we want it to be. It may not be the plan that we wrote for him and submitted. But it's his plan. And he is in control of all things. So we are going to be in chapter 3 next week, Lord willing. Tonight... We're going to close out in prayer. We're going to close out the rest of this hour just praying, interceding, allowing the Lord to speak to us as we have had communion together, the reading of his word together, and now we'll seek him out in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lots of wonderful lessons for all of us of any age, Lord. And we pray that as we continue to seek your face this evening, you would refresh us and fill us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.